Um, this week we have our uh, second uh, parade at um, the village, and uh, the last time we went, it was a wonderful event. Um, the folks at the re the residents there at the village really appreciated us and coming around, just waving, uh, seeing us through the windows, having being able to talk just a little bit through the windows, and just just seeing people for them was just wonderful. And so uh, Wednesday at 2 p.m. We're meeting at the uh, FCS financial parking lot. Around 1.45, we'll meet there. And at 2, we'll do another parade around the village. It doesn't take very long. We just walk one lap around the building and wave. And, and they have the residents kind of lined up at the windows and things. And so uh, if you're able to come, uh, we'd love to have you there. Love to have more people than last time just to come and join in the fun. And uh, uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, also, I want to just let it remind everyone that uh, we are starting Kids Sunday School. Um, so any of the families that have <clears throat> been coming and bringing kids to Sunday School, um, Dawn is having them upstairs. We've got it all kind of set up and moved around so that uh, there's plenty of distance between them. They can come and still have Sunday School class and see each other, and, uh, but not be right on top of each other at the same time. So, so that's started, and uh, we have other things just coming up uh, other ministry things that we're working on, other uh, trying to figure out ways that we can still kind of see each other. Of course, in the busyness of summer, everyone's kind of starting to scatter out a little bit, and our schedules are starting to fill up a little bit here and there. So, uh, But here this morning, though, we gather here, uh, whether it's here in person, whether it's online, on the radio, however it is that we gather together, we are here together in the name of Jesus Christ. And so as we gather, let's all stand as we light the light of Christ, reminding us that, that the Lord is here with us. All right, folks. I know online folks are having a little trouble. They're getting a, a double or an echo. Um, hang in there. Um, hopefully that will get better. Um, and they are working on that. But um, I hope that you will hang in there because I think today's message is an important message that we need to hear as a church, as we continue in, in Acts. Uh, before, but before I uh, do uh, the, the scripture and begin the sermon, I just want to thank you all for your thoughts and your prayers this week and the loss of my brother-in-law, Randy Urick. Um, we have uh, truly appreciated that. We had a wonderful celebration of life uh, yesterday. And um, just I ask for your continued prayers for my uh, sister and her family and for the church that he pastored in Morrisville. Um, as um, all of them have a hole uh, and a void that um, they deeply miss right now. And so please uh, keep the Morrisville Assembly of God in your prayers, as well as my sister Karen and her three kids and um, their spouses and family. Gracious God, as we join in this space, may your spirit be upon us. Um, may uh, your spirit speak to us through your word. And may we experience that spirit, uh, not just in our heads, but in our hearts and the deepest depths of our being. Come, Holy Spirit, this day. Now, I don't know how many of you have been reading the book of Acts or have read the book of Acts. Any, anybody that's here today that has uh, read the book of Acts or been reading the book of Acts? Hmm, we need to work on that. Um, Y'all have one of these, right? I just challenge you, as we work our way through the book of Acts, to pick up your Bibles and to be reading in the book of Acts. 
um, for the next month or two. If you've, if you've read the book of Acts, you know that there are some strange things that happen in the book of Acts. And maybe this is part of the reason why we struggle with reading this particular book and the message that is here. I'm, I mean, um, we have uh, some really strange things. We have um, two people who uh, fall dead after they bring their offering forward because they've been caught in a lie. Uh, we have a Paul who is blinded. We have earthquakes that rattle jail cells. And we have Gentiles who receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and all of these, if we're paying attention, uh, these events kind of shake the people up in the first century. The, the folks who were experiencing them, they're kind of shaken up. They're confused and they're bewildered. And sometimes the very foundation of their beliefs are being challenged. They are experiencing a disorientation and a disruption. And if we pay attention to acts... If we pay attention to these places where we see the Spirit disrupting and disorienting, we almost always see it as God's call to awaken the people and to reorient the people. And in fact, today's passage is another one of those passages that disorients us. Um, and so I invite you to hear these words from Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to read um, the first 13, 14 verses. I'm going to read till I stop. How's that? Um, to hear these words from Acts chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 1. Now, these are going to sound familiar to you, but I invite you to hear these afresh and anew. When Pentecost Day arrived, and, and I don't know if you know, in, in the first century, celebration of Pentecost was actually a celebration of the first giving of the law. It was a celebration of the giving of the Torah. Um, and, and so it's important for us to understand that. But when that, when that day of Pentecost arrived, they, that is the disciples of Jesus, they were gathered in a place. Remember last week we looked at, at chapter 1, and, and we looked at how when Jesus ascended, he told his disciples to wait for the promise of God, which was the Holy Spirit. And if you read the rest of chapter 1, you see that the disciples did what Jesus told them to do. They went to the upper room. Uh, they appointed um, a person to replace Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. And then they waited as a group in prayer and in unity of mind, waiting for the promise of God. And so we're told, there they are. They're gathered in one place. Suddenly, a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. You see, Pentecost was an important day, an important festival in the Jewish religion. Uh, Jews from all over came to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate the covenant and the giving of the Torah. And so there were Jews from all over in Jerusalem, and when they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native language. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them, 
how then can each uh, of us hear them speaking in our own native language. There were Pythyrians and Medes and Elamites, and as well as resident, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia. There was Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the regions of Libya bordering Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. There were Cretans and Arabs, and they all heard these disciples declaring the mighty works of God in their own language. And they were all surprised and bewildered. Some ask, what does it mean? Others jeered, saying, they are full of wine. Now, as we hear that passage, you know, I think sometimes when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think, you know, this gentle breeze that comes upon us. But listen, in this passage, uh, the Spirit, this was a, a violent rush of wind. They saw flames of fire on the tops of the heads of these disciples, and they heard these Galileans, people who had never spoken any other language in their lives, speaking their language and declaring the mighty acts of God. This was a very disrupting event for the people, for these Jewish people gathered in the city of Jerusalem on this Pentecost celebration. And what happened on that day while we celebrate that as being the birth of the church, sometimes I think we, we need to think about what that was in that time and day. I mean, this was a disruptive event for these people in the first century, for these Jewish people who consider themselves to be the people of God. And here were these other Jewish people who, who somehow had been filled with something. There was much disruption and much confusion. And just as often uh, when there's times of disruption and disorientation, uh, there were some who were just dismissive. Oh, that's, that's no big deal. They're just filled with wine. And yet there were others who were saying, what does all of this mean? This is a strange thing that is going on. What does this mean? And Peter, Peter steps forward. Peter steps forward to not only explain what is going on in these circumstances, but to reframe actually what had been happening over the last 50 days since Jesus' crucifixion. And I would venture to say even to reframe what has been happening over the last three years as they have followed Jesus. You see, Peter steps forward, I think, to reorient these people of God to reorient them and to give them a second chance, I think. He steps forward to say, let me tell you what's been going on. The drunkenness, this, this, you think they are filled with wine, but I am here to tell you they are filled with the Holy Spirit. You think that um, this Jesus who, who you crucified as a criminal and a heretic and a blasphemer, he is actually the anointed one of God. He is the Lord and the long-awaited King 
of Israel. Peter Peter, uh, quotes, in fact, from uh, Joel, and he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all my people. Your sons and daughters, they will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders and your, your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. The sun will be changed into darkness. The moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." In many ways, um, Peter is even reframing the way they understand in the last days. See, in, in, in Judaism, often the idea of the last days was there was an expectation that God would come and he would set up his ruler and there would be judgment on the people who opposed Israel. God would come in, in judgment of Israel's enemies. And Paul or Peter, is saying here, no, actually, the last days, it begins with a wake-up call to the people of God. It begins with a wake-up call to the people of God. All the audience that was listening to Peter on that day, they were Jewish folks from Jerusalem and from all over the world. They were Jewish folks to whom uh, Peter was speaking, the people of God. And he is talking and reframing this prophecy from Joel, saying that in the last days is not just about God coming in judgment of the others and defeating your enemies, but it is God coming to revive the people of God and to challenge the people of God to be the people that God calls them to be. The last days are not just a celebration uh, of your enemy's defeat, but they are a time for repentance and a time for acknowledging the new things that God is doing. This Pentecostal, this, this, this gathering at Pentecost had become a, a great gathering of the Jewish people in which they longed for the return of someone like King David who would pull the nation together. It really was a gathering and like a, a nationalistic celebration. And Peter is suggesting that's not what it's all about. It's not about being a people of privilege, but it's being a people of mission. It was a day in which uh, Jewish people gathered in the city of Jerusalem to celebrate the giving of the Torah, to celebrate what God had done in the past, and to long for the past. To long for how God had ruled through David and through the kings long ago. And Peter is saying, no, this day of Pentecost, these last days are not about returning to the past. They are about the new things that God is doing. You got another chance. You crucified the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who had come to lead you. You, you crucified the Messiah refusing to hear his words and to follow him, but now you have another chance. 
Do you see what was really happening, Peter is saying? Will you accept the way that I am reframing things and how Jesus reframed things? And will you follow Jesus? The signs and the wonders were there to disrupt the people. The signs and the wonders were intended to disorient the people so that they might be ready to hear once again the good news of Jesus, to hear once again the purposes of God in and through Jesus. I tell you, as I read and meditated on Acts chapter 2 throughout this week, I couldn't help but wonder, I could not help but wonder if these times of disruption and disorientation that we are experiencing are not a time in which God is seeking to speak to us. Now, if you were here when I preached about platitude, platitude, you know that I am not suggesting that God caused this COVID-19 so that he could get our attention, oh, but I am beginning to believe more and more that God is seeking to use this disruption and this disorientation that we are experiencing to get our attention. Just like in the book of Acts over and over again, he used situations to get the attention of the people of God. Where is it that we place our hope and our faith? Do we have this pseudo-gospel of moralism? Do we place our faith in some Darwinian beliefs of, of, the, fittest of, uh, of the survival of the fittest? Uh, do we embrace consumerism and materialism? What is it that drives us? I can't help but wonder. I cannot help but wonder. If we need to take a breath and to rethink what we have experienced over the last few months, and maybe just to imagine what it is in the midst of this disorientation and this disruption, what is it that God might be trying to speak, not to the world, but to the church of Jesus Christ, to the people of God? The more I, I thought about this and the more I meditated on this, the more I couldn't help but think, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, I have become more and more, I don't know if distressed is the right word or disappointed. Um, I don't know, as I look around at the church in general and I see what our response is, my heart cries and my heart breaks because what I see in the church of Jesus Christ is I see uh, an interest in the church more about protecting our rights to gather the way we want to gather and to do worship in the way that we have always done it. I cannot believe uh, the number of churches who seem to be more concerned about our rights to gather and to do things regardless of what's going on in the world. And I can't help, I can't help but think, maybe we should stop and ask ourselves just how effective was that? Seriously. What is the state of Christianity in our world today, or at least in our country? Every denomination is declining. 
There aren't uh, more and more people coming to faith. There are not more and more people who look like Jesus. I can't help but wonder. Just as Peter says, no, what is happening is God is challenging you as the people of God. What you were doing, the old way of doing things was not working. You need to pay attention to the new ways that God is acting. Instead of protecting your rights, maybe you ought to be paying attention to the Spirit and seeing where the Spirit is sending us out to be the people of God in the midst of this world. More and more, as this goes on longer, I hear more and more people um, who are quick to suggest, well, all of this means we're in the end times. We're in the, Jesus is coming anytime. I mean, look at the bad things that are happening to America, like bad things haven't been happening in the other places of the world. But when bad things happen in America, Jesus is coming anytime. The end times are here. Well, I don't know about y'all, but if you read Acts you find out that the beginning of the end began with Jesus' ascension. We've been in the end times for a long time, people. And I'm amazed that when people, the people who say, oh, the end times are here, you other people better get God or you're going to hell. Peter says the end times aren't a time for us to tell other people they better get their act together or they're going to hell. Peter says the end times are a time for the people of God to be the people of God. It's a time for the people of God to allow the Spirit to come upon them and to be the people that God intended us to be. Not a people that judge others, but a people that show them the love and show the love of God to the world. I can't help but wonder as I see what's happening in the church and I see what's happening in our nation as a whole as we seem to blanket ourselves in American exceptionalism and American pride. This COVID-19 isn't going to defeat us. Nothing can bring us to our knees. We are a proud nation. We are a nation that has overcome everything. Maybe we need to be brought to our knees. Maybe we need to be brought to our knees by God and learn that it's not about us as a people, but it is about God and what God has done and what God continues to do. Instead, we wrap ourselves uh, acting as if there's nothing that we need to change. We are God's gift to the world. That's what the Jewish people thought at the time. We are God's gift to the world, just waiting for this opportunity for the rest of the world to see it. There's no change that needs to come about in us. We don't need to worry about what we're doing to the environment that God has created. We don't need to worry that we are so um, enslaved to consumerism and materialism that we need to change our ways. We don't need to worry that in our history we have done some bad things. That in our history we have treated people not fairly. And we still do it today. We don't need to rethink our idea of success. We don't need to rethink our idea of success that if our economy is growing, if our stock market is growing, that's what success looks like. I'm telling you folks, 
We need to hear Acts 2. Fully and holy. God challenging the people of God not to get so enwrapped in our nationalism and our culture that we fail to be the people of God. I can't help but wonder in these times as we complain about the suffering that we are enduring. I mean, God forbid that we as Americans have to stay at home or or we have to wear a mask in public or we have to do something that we just don't want to do. I mean, we are being persecuted and we we are suffering. I mean, God forbid that there's this disease that we can't get our arms around and it's killing people and we don't know what to do and it's making people sick and we don't know what to do. God forbid that that happened to us. I can't help but wonder if God is trying to open our eyes and tell us, you know, the small suffering that you are experiencing, the rest of the world has been experiencing for years. You're worried you have to stay home. You're worried you have to wear a mask. There are people in other countries starving. There are people in other countries that have had diseases they couldn't cure forever. And we're worried that we're suffering here as the church in America. We are being oppressed. Really? Really? I can't help but wonder if this is, that these last few months is a message to the complacent church. Oh, when bad things happen to us, we are so ready to talk about the end times, but all the rest of the time we are just complacent. We've got no sense of urgency. We, we have no real heart for other people. We're here. They can come if they want to know Jesus. We got no real desire to let God change us and transform us into the people of God. We're happy with who we are. What do we need to change? We're the good people. It's those folks out there who need to change. I can't help but wonder if we listen to Acts 2, if we will hear the Spirit say, Wake up! Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and be transformed into the people that God intended us to be. Not a chosen people who, who flaunt our privilege, but a chosen people who take up our responsibility and participate in the mission of Christ to reconcile the world to Jesus Christ and to God. I know you all don't like this message. I'll tell you, I don't care. The people said, so what do we do? I hope that's the question you all ask. So what do we do? Some of you may not. Some of you may leave and not come back, and that's okay also. Here's what Peter said to the people. When the crowd heard this, they were deeply troubled, and they said, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said, change your hearts and your lives. Be transformed. And each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this. We often hear this message, you know, oh, baptism, we just... Peter is talking to the people of God. 
saying, you must be baptized. You must be converted again into the ways of God. Now that's a slap in the face, isn't it? Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God invites. With many other words, Peter testified to them. And he encouraged them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Now, I think we read that as Peter saying, Be saved from the rest of the world. I think Peter is saying, Be saved from this perverse generation of God's people who refuse to be the people God calls them to be. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and God brought about 3,000 people into the community on that day. So what do we do? We change our hearts. We repent. We turn to God. And we are to recommit to God. Now, I'm just telling you, as I read this this week, um, over the last two or three weeks... I've been a whiny pastor. I just want you all to know that. I have been a whiny pastor. I just want to tell you, ministry has gotten even more difficult as we begin to open up. And we try to figure out what to do. There are those people who just want us to put the chairs back together, to have the choir, to go back like things were going on, like nothing is going on in the world. There are others who can't believe that we're even thinking of offering things to gather. And there's people along the whole spectrum, and there is making nobody happy. And I've been saying to God, and I've said to other people, uh, um, forgive me, I, I've said to other people, I just want to go back to how things were in February. I just want to put the chairs back together, put the choir back up here, act like it never happened, and go back to how things were in February. God, forgive me. God, forgive me for thinking that that's where you were going. Things are not going back to normal. And we should stand up and say, thank God. Because normal wasn't so great if we look at the mission of the church and the message of Jesus Christ and the people who were receiving Christ. Normal wasn't so good. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not going back to normal. I don't know what the future holds, but I will continue to wait for the Holy Spirit and listen for the Holy Spirit and participate in the new things that God is doing because God is doing a new thing. And the question is, will we participate or we just continue to want to go back to how things were because it was so much more comfortable. It was so much easier. If I say again, I wish things were like they were normal, hit me upside the head with something, Kobe. We are not going back to normal. 
If you want to go back to normal, then maybe you need to find another place. But if you want to hear the message of Acts, we're only in chapter 2, folks. I'm telling you, it gets better. Well, maybe worse, depending on your perspective. God disrupts his people. He disorients us so he can reorient us to his ways and his purposes. We are not going back to normal. We are going to be a people that wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. A people who turn back to God. A people who recommit to God's way so that we can receive the gift of the Spirit anew and afresh and our lives can begin to be transformed into the people God intends us to be. We can be the church that God intends us to be and we can be a church in which God adds 3,000 a day. I'll settle for three a day. I might get hit for such a small vision. Do you hear the Spirit speaking today? Do you hear the Spirit speaking today? Be filled with the Spirit. And allow God to lead us into the future that He desires. A future in which we don't just celebrate our privilege and wait for our time to go to heaven, but a time in which we go out to the world and we are Jesus' hands and feet and we spread God's love and we proclaim Jesus in the midst of this pandemic and instead of being hating, judgmental people, we are people who point folks to Jesus Christ in such a way that they say, how do I get in on this wonderful thing that is happening? May the Holy Spirit not just come gently down on us today, but may the Holy Spirit rush into our lives and into our souls, disrupting and changing and transforming us in significant ways so we might be the people of God for the world today. And I hope all God's people can say, Amen. Gracious God, indeed pour out Your Spirit upon us Don't let us go back to the way it was. Shape us and form us and send us forth in the direction and the ways you would have us go so that we truly make a difference in the lives of people as we draw them into your presence and into your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Now you're invited as you hear this last song. You are invited, whether you're here or at home, you are invited um, to 
not only give of your offerings and tithes if you're at home, I invite you to go online and give. I invite you to write a check and drop it in the mail or bring it by the church if you're here. You can place it in the offering plate when you leave. But more than anything else, more than your offering and tithe, God wants your entire life. And He wants you to offer that to Him this day. Holy Spirit, guide my vision, help me see the way you see. Always Jesus, ever Jesus, Christ in all as Christ in me. Holy Spirit, guide my speaking, words of grace and truth abound. Let my lips be filled with stories of the mercy that I found. You're the light, you're my path, you're the shame.
Amen. I hope that you have experienced the Spirit afresh and anew on this day. And empowered by that Spirit, indeed you are invited to go forth and to allow the Spirit to lead you on so that you might be the hands and the feet of Christ. So that we might be a people of hope and reconciliation. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to be filled with that Spirit in such a way that your lives are transformed and that you live and you love like Jesus and you bring real change to the neighborhoods and the world in which we live. Amen. May you run and not be weary, may your heart be filled with song, and may the love of God continue to give you hope and keep you strong, and may you run and not be weary, may your life be filled with joy, and may the road you travel always